Aloha, welcome back to another episode on Kailakai, the podcast. This is Alexi, and guys, we actually have a brand new host with us today. His name is Eli Hadley. Eli, would you like to say hello and maybe introduce yourself? Hello. I was here, let's see, probably two years ago doing the podcast with another another couple of people, but it's good to be back. I'm good to have a new fresh coat of paint on it, and yeah. Awesome. We're so excited to have you back. We are we are lucky. And then, of course, we have Hadley. Hello, Hadley. How are you? Hello, I'm good. We're so happy to have all of you guys here with us. And guys, so this is actually, this month is actually Women's History Month. So we thought there was no better way to celebrate it than to have an episode about women. And we have an amazing woman with us today to talk story about just some, some of the things she's done in her career. We have Becky Strain with us. She's a professor here at BYU Hawaii. Um, hi, Becky. How are you doing? Hey, it's so good to be here. I'm so excited. Yeah, we're so excited to have you and just just chat about everything. So first, can you just give us a little introduction about kind of your career, like where you where you're from, where you grew up, where you went to school, everything all the way down to... Now we're at BYU Hawaii teaching. All right, uh, we'll do the condensed version, or this could be very long podcast. <laughs> for the whole life um, story. <laughs> yeah, I was I was an army brat, so when people ask where are you from, oh, wow. like, well, that's a complicated question when yeah. you grew up, you know, moving around all the time. But graduated from school in southern Utah and southern Nevada area, Mesquite, and um, Kanab. Um, went to BYU to get my undergraduate degree in history. Loved mm-hmm. it. Thought, hmm, what do I do with life now? Um, ended up having a mission call, whole other podcast. I get engaged the day I'm supposed to enter my the MTC for my mission. Oh my goodness. So I don't do the mission. I get married. Um, Always wanted to do graduate school, but we started a family. My husband finished his degree at Utah State and had six kids. Um, So I was a stay-home mom for 12 years. Well, before I was a stay-home mom, I worked in a library when my first was was young then became a stay-home mom then um yeah my husband got his master's after he got his master's I went to law school and got my law degree with six children (laughs) the youngest was two when I started superwoman right here yeah (laughs) and then my last year of law school my husband got a job at BYU Hawaii as EIS director and so he moved in October um I had to quickly wrap up my semester on my own with the six kids, pack up the house. My goodness. And then followed to Hawaii December and then just took a couple extra credits over winter to be able to graduate that, that um, April. Oh, my goodness. So well, you were by yourself? He came out to BYU-Hawaii and you were yeah. still... You are a powerhouse. That's that. amazing. <laughs> I did not know I that. I am still recovering from that. I'm so tired. <laughs> I believe oh it. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And so... He, is he still working here as Yes, well? he is now an assistant professor in um, IT. Okay. okay. Wow. Cool. Math and computing. Yeah. Awesome. Jeff Strain. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. And then what classes are you teaching right now? I teach um, Foundations of the Restoration, which is one of your required religion courses. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. it. Uh, I also teach Women of the Restoration. Brand new class. We're hoping to make it permanent. Uh, it's been really fun to teach so far. We're actually trial running it um there is not one like it in any religion department in the church or in the institutes so they've had women in scriptures but women in the restoration is a new one i also teach uh united states history and every once in a while book of mormon and history of civilizations 
Awesome. Wow. Knowledgeable lady. <laughs> um, we pretend. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of going to that women in the restoration class, I took that class and I absolutely loved it. And I thought it was super cool that um, like just the perspective you brought on t- so many women in the church. And I was kind of curious what got you into studying women in the church and the history of that. Well, being a woman, number one. Absolutely. Um, I wanted stories I could relate to. And when I was getting my undergraduate degree, I was really, really fascinated when I dove into primary documents, um, primary source documents. I loved reading women's journals. Um, just hearing about the struggles they were going through and how I related to them, I really connected. And so, you know, early on in my undergraduate, I fell in love with women's history and social history and then living it as a stay-home mom. Um, And then having so many different experiences there. You know, I I stay-home mom, I did stuff in politics and then going to law school. I just, in so many ways, I've looked back to the past and connected with different women in different ways and how, you know, some things change so drastically, but some things don't. Mm -hmm. And, And, you know... We're all in this human experience together and sh- have a lot to share. So, so yeah, being a woman and then just being in love with social history. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot to learn from it. At least I felt like I totally could relate to a lot of the stories, too. And a lot of it gets overlooked, I think, too. So it's kind of nice to, like, highlight those women's stories because, like you said, I think we can relate to a lot of it, actually. Wow. Do Can either one of you maybe share, like, what were some of the things, this, these stories? Because I haven't, I honestly... This is like the first time I'm hearing of this class, to be honest. So you kind of mentioned that reading some journals and some like struggles that some of these women were facing. Is there like a, if you mind sharing, I don't know, what were some things that kind of you guys maybe have related to? I don't know. Yeah. Um, At least for me, like some of the ones that stood out to me a lot was looking at members of the church, women particularly in the church, um, participating in the feminism movements. That was something that stood out to me a lot. Um, and just like seeing them be able to take a place in something social that was large and being able to make a change with that and even highlighting their role in the restoration of the gospel Um, even though like a lot of the times we see it as them like doing most of the stuff with Relief Society a lot of them had super powerful roles and I don't think it gets highlighted in the church a lot so it was really cool to see that women weren't just knitting around and making blankets and stuff but they were like taking charge and like guiding people and leading people and helping wow. society out and doing really awesome things with that and I thought that was really cool That's oh awesome. A plus for her <laughs> 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 no that was um, yeah for me very powerful as well because sometimes we'll create these stereotypes of you know the the Mormon woman and the yeah. pioneer woman of what she looked like. Yeah, she baked bread. She wore a bonnet. She washed her right. kids' clothes. She had, you know, tons of kids. And, of course, those were real experiences that women had, but that's not every woman's experience. And each one of those women had an individual story and an individual, you know, struggle, life journey. Um, today we talked about Emmeline Wells, and I love her so much. She was one I never heard about until I started digging into church history and to find out... Um, She's widowed twice and had three kids by the time she's 22 years old. And one of those children had died. Um, Wow. And then she goes on to be the editor of the Women's Exponent. She's a huge powerhouse in women's suffrage. She speaks at the National Women's Conventions. She's working with Susan B. Anthony. She 
she does so much with the Relief Society, becomes the general president. Um, those are all great. And we, you know, put her on this fabulous pedestal. And then we read her diaries and her struggles with depression when she was a mom mm -hmm. and loneliness as a plural wife. Mm -hmm. um, wow. And just frustrations, too, as a woman who often didn't feel like her voice was heard and understood. And just so many levels where we, you know, we idolize her, see her as this amazing thing or this amazing person. And then also, yet she's so human. And I can relate to that so well. Absolutely. I love that, especially because. I think for me, I can kind of like see that in in our day and age of mm -hmm. as a woman, you know, looking to other women and and feeling like your life has to look like that, that it has to look like this, this cookie cutter Mormon mom, this, you know, this, this is a stay at home mom and all these things when there's there's so much more that women can do, especially with careers. And and I think that's I love yeah. that we're talking about this because it's real in our world today. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. You can relate to them. I like that you said that too, because something I like kind of picked up on too is that you you do you put them on the pedestal and stuff, but then when you get down to like the reality of who they were and like their emotion of what they experienced in their life, well, that was really hard. You can also like develop some empathy and sympathy for them, but also women right now, because you know it's not that different because women still deal with this stuff, especially in the church, and mm -hmm. so it's really cool to highlight that. Yeah. Anyways, okay, so. The next thing that we kind of want to talk about, we, we talked about a little bit, but we're really curious to hear your experience as a mom in law school and kind of just your experience, you know, what did you ever feel judged? Did you ever feel, did you ever get negative, positive feedback? What kind of was your experience as a mom in the church? in law school with six children? <laughs> oh, that is such a big question. And like, yes, to all of those things. Um, in so many ways I, I pulled in so many different directions so utah county stay home mom six kids yeah. um and this idea of being there and present for my kids and then going to law school and then the thought of you know you need to work hard and excel and i felt torn in half Absolutely. um i'm either neglecting my kids or i'm being a horrible student and most of the time i felt i was doing both um so it was really really hard my first semester um, reactions around me from others, you don't need to go to law school, your husband's providing for you and your family, that's not necessary. Um, but then also a lot of support too, like, wow, this is great, I've got your back, you know, you can do this. I, you know, even um, within my own family, I had mixed feedback from, from wow. siblings and parents and stuff, is a good thing, bad thing. So, so it was hard. I, the greatest support I got actually for it was from my um, my husband. He was amazing. I would have dropped out, I think, two times at least. Or <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm done. It's like, no, you know, God opened too many doors. Um, and we both felt this confirmation. This is where I needed to be. And he'd remind me of that and say, it's okay. You know, you don't need to be the top of the class and you're doing fine as a mom. But the other great source of support were actually my fellow law students were amazing. That's awesome. Amazing. I had a number of them pull me aside and tell me how much they admired me as a mother going back to law school. Um, one of them just, you know, saved me one day. I was in one of the like, I quit. I cannot do this <laughs> anymore. And I was feeling the mom guilt. Like, yeah. I should be home with my kids. I should be baking bread. I should be doing their homework with them. I should be doing laundry. Instead, they're, you know, I don't know what they're doing, whatever they're doing, just as long as they're not burning the house down. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> And yeah, one of the one of my fellow law students, he pulled me aside and said, you know what, my mom went back to school 
when I was young to get a master's degree. And he said the exact words I needed to hear. He said, we didn't feel neglect at all. We were actually very proud of my mom and what she did. And your kids are going to be just fine. I'm like, oh, thank you. That's wow. exactly what I needed That's to really hear. Good. Because that first year, that tug and pull between mom, law school, mom, law school, and it, it didn't have to be an either or. Um, and I didn't have to be perfect in either. That was the other thing, too, is to mm-hmm. realize, you know, sometimes we set our expectations so high of what success looks like. So we, we yeah, we're, we're harder on ourselves than we need to be. And I just had to kind of calm it down. Learn what you can in law school. Make sure your kids aren't being taken by child protective services and you're gonna be okay. Right. <laughs> you're good. You're just uh, we kept custody, it was good. <laughs> and the fact that you're even like worrying about it, the fact that that's even a question in your mind of am I you know that just shows that you are putting your kids first and you're and you care and you love and you're being an amazing mom. So And you're setting an incredible example for them to be able to like do what they want to do and know that they can kinda do it all. <laughs> absolutely yeah, if you want I, to you absolutely can I, one of the cool things is now that that's in the past um especially my daughters have noted how proud they were wow that's of awesome. me while i was in law school and that they are that i got a graduate degree yeah that's awesome I, I, I was thinking a lot too you mentioned your husband was a big support to yeah. you and your and you mentioned the story about the the son of the woman who talked about you know he felt so blessed during her time in graduate school how can men specifically like boys men you know sons uncles any male relatives how can they be more supportive of women in the church but also in just higher education and encouraging them like that so i'm going to be pretty vulnerable here with my husband and i we Mm -hmm. both had to learn and some of it was me learning to let go of certain things and some was him realizing sometimes we put a lot on women that we don't realize you know, the laundry, the homework, the parent-teacher conferences. Being 12 years stay-home mom, it was just assumed all these things mm-hmm. I took care of. And um, he was so great, and he has been so great. He still does this of realizing these little things that add up in a woman's life, these burdens we feel we have to carry, you know, starting to take them off my shoulders. Like, guess what? I got the kids' school lunches this year. I haven't packed – well, I've packed school lunches twice this year so far. He does – he's been doing school lunches, and – Um, calls to teachers he's been picking up some of the little things I think being aware sometimes that we we have these stereotype gender roles and just assume she's got that and they're little things but they add up just relieving some of that burden Um, definitely the encouragement that you can do it Um, there being a mother is fabulous great goal great aspiration but there's so much more to a woman's life, and I think acknowledging that as well and encouraging other opportunities of development and growth. Um, I'm just going to tout or you know praise him, <laughs> tout his glory all <laughs> evening because even when I was the stay-home mom, he knew I wasn't content just being home all the time and yeah. that I needed some sort of adult intellectual outlet. So he was always encouraging me. You know, I got the kids tonight you go to that political meeting, I was involved in politics, or you go to this parent meeting. um, And I would do the whole mom guilt thing, like, no, I should stay here, I need to help. It's like, no, I got this, go. You know, yeah, just be like my husband. (laughs) 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 How can you be supportive? (laughs) But I think, you know, and we do this to men too. We create boxes. Yeah. You know, this is what the ideal man looks like. This is what the ideal woman looks like. And being able to, like, knock down the walls of the box and let people be 
who they are and pursue other avenues of self that maybe are outside that gender norm box, I think is beautiful. That's so important too, right? With, I mean, just self-fulfillment, self-actualization. And I, I love to say too, sometimes, because I've seen this in my life and even just modern life in general, there is that idea that, oh, you know, a man can do whatever he wants or he can be a father and everything else, but then a woman, only a mother. And that severely limits just thinking about like my sisters, right? That really limits like the way that they could view themselves as a person and how they could view themselves as far as having success. And it's so important to have that narrative, like you can be whatever you want to be, right? And if we step back and look at these early women in the church, they didn't have strict stay home mom. They were all working. They were all, they were all the doing yeah. loads of things. I mean, the men were going on missions a lot and gone a lot on church service stuff. And the women are running home industries. They're running farms. They're running businesses. They're going to medical school. They're being teachers and educators. Um, yeah, it's not really until the Industrial Revolution in the 1920s that we really pigeonhole this stay-home mom, working dad yeah. ideal. Uh, that's that's a modern invention. Wow. Do you feel like, because there is the, ch- the church culture, and you said you've really been able to find that, find peace with you know who you are, you know what you're meant to be. Do you feel like there's still that uh, struggle with church culture as, as we have it now today? I've noticed it's probably more regional. Because oh, okay. if you go in different areas in the church, the expectations are different. That's and true. the gender roles are seen differently. So if you, if you go to a very conservative traditional area, you are going to see that women stay home. When I was involved in politics in Utah County, um, most of the meetings I went to were not just predominantly, I mean, almost 100% male. You'd be in a room with 200 people and, you know, a couple dozen, a dozen, I'd even say a lot, not even two dozen, dozen are women. Um, and why, you know, you'd talk to the women, well, I stay home so my husband can go do things like this. This is his thing. Um, that was very much a Utah County thing. Mm-hmm. You go other places and women mm-hmm. are much more involved in politics. I see that in Hawaii. So yeah. I've seen it less as like, Latter-day Saint culture more is like regional yeah. um, Utah culture. Utah and it's predominantly Mormon. And you do develop, and this is a whole other history lesson, you do develop this very conservatively um, based culture in Utah that's, that's quite unique. And, and that is so tagged with the church because it was predominantly Mormon. But realizing as the church goes global and spreads, that culture has stayed in Utah it doesn't yeah. always spread with you know you can go to a ward in Philadelphia and women are wearing pantsuits you do that in Utah and you're going to get you know like ooh feminist shade you know going down <laughs> <laughs> feminist shade wow. so it just yeah it varies yeah um kind of with that too how have you I guess found time for like yourself with all this and like balancing your personal hobbies because I know you're pretty active right I know you like hiking and stuff and so like kind of how do you balance that with Having like your career, your kids, you have a big family and like all that. How's that been for you? Just dial down those expectations and ideas of perfection. Yeah. Um, I, I realized and this was this the, the exercising and being active was a result of postpartum depression. Well, and yeah. it really hit the strongest with my third baby. Um, and I, I found out that physical activity was my best way of coping with um, postpartum depression. And so. I realized it was a necessity. If I didn't take time to do it, I would pay a price later. 
-hmm. well, even immediately often. Um, so I made it a priority that dishes can go, laundry can go, but this cannot go. This is going to be prioritized. And so since then, it's always been a set. You know, I must have my running time or my hiking time. You know, other things will have to give. And so you just you set priorities. And um, yeah, sometimes the church calling can slide a bit. Sometimes I can show up to class and not be as prepared as I should be. It does happen, but, yeah. you, you know, it's okay to not always be top on your game and having everything just yeah. right. Well, and mm -hmm. if you're not taking the time to do those things, you won't be able to do those other things. That's true. Yes. Yes. So it's, I feel like a lot of, I have a best friend that is this way. I always tell her, she's like, but I'm not being productive. I'm like, resting is productive. Absolutely. It is because it, it makes everything else you do like more efficient because you've taken the time to do what you need to do to be your best self and if you're neglecting that then you're not going to thrive in those other areas like you could be so when I hike and I run I've noticed a lot of my great insights like wow. I'll, I'll put on a podcast I usually do history podcast go figure <laughs> or religion and I'll have a lesson the next day and while I'm running I'll just have insights pop into my mind so I've also told my husband this is my lesson prep as well when I go running yeah because um, I'll have just brain enlightenment all the time. So so it, it, it is being productive in many ways. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's great. I love that. Okay. Well, we just kind of want to end off with some, just some advice. What advice do you have for women, for students, um, trying to kind of push past the guilt, push past any sort of expectations? You kind of mentioned just get rid of those expectations, but what what have you found has helped get getting rid of that guilt and and realizing you can have a career, you can have a family? This is going to be weird, maybe. Um, coming to know um, about my Heavenly Mother has been life-changing for me. May not be the answer you're expecting. No, I love that. <laughs> but it has really changed me in so many ways, and I might get teary-eyed here, that um, there is a divine female and I have that in me um, that helps me get over the guilt in the boxes often because she doesn't have walls she's not in a box she's an active part of our lives co-creator with the father you know right by his side and thinking I have that potential um, and it's not set by culture, you know, the expectations. Um, it's set by, you know, where the Spirit's going to guide me in my personal life. Where does my heart want to go? Um, that's, that's really steered me and given me a lot of reassurance. Uh, big advice. I really look back and wish I wouldn't have stressed so much about pleasing people. Mm -hmm. um, trying to be, you know, that perfect mother or living up to others expectations of what a woman should be um, always in control uh, you know this is a human experience um, relax enjoy it when you can and just see where it takes you um, we we put so much on you know what if I mess up what if I fail yeah good that's part of the plan <laughs> yeah that's that's part of the ride that's fine that's great and then we learn from it and we move on and that's creating that divine female women have often in history had their agency limited 
um, by culture, by law, by religion. Um, but what agency we do have, we need to grab it and use it and then push for more. <laughs> I love that. I love that about the agency we do have, especially looking back to history. Like, look how far we have come. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm almost like we owe it to those women that couldn't, you Absolutely. know? I mean, don't get me wrong. If you don't want a career, if you want to be a single right. mom, that's just as amazing as anything else. Yeah. But use that agency in whatever that looks like for you. Use that agency to do what you want because there have been others that haven't. And there are still others in other parts of the world that, that can't. And it really is such a blessing um, for us that we have the the ability. We have women like Becky Strain <laughs> yeah. that can set such a good good example for all the things that women can accomplish. So. Absolutely. That's you're incredible. Amazing. You're you're incredible. <laughs> oh, thank, you. Yeah. thank you so much for coming in and talking story with us. We're so grateful to have you and we hope all of you listeners out there, we hope you guys felt felt the love and the empowerment like we did. I know yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I love that so much. So yeah. thank, you. thank you. Thank you. It's been awesome. We will see y'all next week on Kayla Kai the podcast. Bye. Bye.